All right, would you open your precious Bible? And I got to turn this microphone on. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians, the last chapter. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I pray that something will be said tonight that will be very helpful. And even in spite of me, the word of God will speak to our hearts. And we're thankful for that. Ephesians chapter 6. And of course, you know, if you know, uh, you know, the big... The real popular passages, the great subjects of the Bible, you know that we deal with in chapter 6, you deal with the armor of God. The armor for the Christian faith, the Christian warrior. By the way, the Christian life is um, compared to warfare. It's like a battle. It's being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now there's a reason for that. Because it is a battle. It is a struggle. And we find that if you're going to go into battle, you've got to have the right weapons. You've got to have the right armor. You've got to have the right defense. I'd hate to think to send out an armor, an armor, an army out to fight. And they don't have the, you, the, you know, the resources in which they need. And so God gives us the resources. I want you to notice in verse number 12, the Bible says, This is why we need to be dressed in the armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, Let's just stop there a minute. We think sometimes we're tangling with people. You're really not tangling with people. You're tangling with something much greater than people. You're tangling with the Bible says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So to see that and to realize that, we have to trust the word, but also you've got to have some spiritual eyes open. You can't just walk around like everything's physical. Now we know, you know, I appreciate what Doug, Brother Doug said. Look, life's living. There's nothing wrong with having fun and having a good time and, and biking and, and hunting and fishing and, and whatever you like to do. Maybe you like to go shopping. I don't know. You need to be careful if you go shopping because you could actually do something there in a sin and you could commit, you know, more money, pay more, you know, spend more money than what you're supposed to. But nonetheless, whatever it is, whatever you like doing, you ought to enjoy it. Life should be a joyful life. It should be enjoyed. Life shouldn't just be drudge. Sometimes I think Christians feel like, well, we got to do everything right. And we do everything right, we can't enjoy life. you got to enjoy life. And so we think about this. He says, look, we're, we're wrestling against wicked things, though. It's not just physical stuff that we're struggling with. And discerning people understand that there's always a warfare, a battle going on. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I want you to notice these two words. Above all. Taking... The shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. <coughs> and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds. 
that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now that's something that you ought to pray that, especially, you know, if you're a wife, you ought to pray that your husband will speak boldly and as he ought to speak. And if you have a Sunday school teacher, you ought to be able to pray for that Sunday school teacher that they'd be able to speak boldly as they ought to speak. If you have a preacher, you ought to pray that they're able to speak boldly as they ought to speak. So we can talk about a lot, but you can't, you cannot take prayer away from the armor of God because he spends the whole last part of the prayer or the armor of God is praying. And then of course, to start out, if you're going to have the armor of God on, you got to do the first thing. You got to stand. You have to stand. If you're not standing, there's no point in putting on the armor. So if you notice the, the book, the, the end caps 13 says you got to stand and then the very last subject of the, of the armor of God is praying. Sometimes those two things get minimized because of the actual armor that you be put on that's compared to the breastplate or the shoes or the sword or the shield. But tonight I want to look at those two words above all look at verse 16 above all as I was reading the other day those two words just stood out to me and really I hadn't really picked up on them until just the other day. I picked up on that as I was reading it. Above all. Now he doesn't say that about any other piece of the armament of God for the Christian to put on other than the shield of faith. And I thought that's interesting. Why? Above all. Above all. Think about it. Why? Because that's more important than the other articles of armor. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. Why would you say that? Well, think about it. Hebrews eleven six says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. By the way, it's faith that even is what gives us the tool to put on these articles of armor. If you don't have faith, let me just say this. Before you can put that breastplate of righteousness on, you have to have faith in the God of righteousness. That breastplate of righteousness has no good bearing to us. It's not a resource to us. If we don't have faith in the God that says you can have a breastplate of righteousness, we are trusting the God of righteousness. Think about the gospel. If we're going to put on the shoes. Of the preparation of the gospel. And to be prepared with the gospel of peace. We have to actually have faith. In the God of that salvation. Those shoes. That salvation. Being prepared to tell somebody about Jesus. Is not going to help us. If we don't know him by faith. So above all. Everything operates in this armor of God because of faith. It does us no good. The Bible, the Word of God. By the way, do you know why? Do you know why the Bible says we have a sword? We do have an offensive weapon. But can I tell you tonight that if you don't have faith that this is truly the Word of God, then you have no weapon. Did you see this Bible written? No. So what is the key that we believe that the Word of God is the Word of God? I'm going to tell you what it is, and you know what it is. It's faith. It's faith. So again, every article of clothing really hinges upon whether we have faith or not. So I understand completely why God says, above all, put on the shield of faith. See, it's the shield that protects the rest of the armor. Without the shield, the other armor is, is, is less effective. Think about it now. It's out in front. The faith is out in front. See, verse 16 tells us 
Above all, taking the shield of faith. Why? Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now let me just say this. He's a working. He's shooting at us. You say, well, how do you defeat? How do you, how do you deflect the shots? How do you deflect? Well, the, the shield should take the shots. The Bible says the shield will quench all the fiery darts of Satan. So let me just say this. If we have faith and we're, we're, we're putting that faith in Christ, then let me just say this. Really, the Bible says if it quenches all the darts from Satan, then he has no strategy. We've just taken his strategy from him. We've just taken his tactics from him. We've really deemed him pretty much his devices. Why? Because the shield of faith is going to quench. Notice what God said. Not some of them. All of them. So faith is the way, faith is the defense above all put on the shield of faith that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We leave him without strategy. We leave him really very ineffective. Could you imagine if an army went out to war and everything they shot at their enemy, didn't do the job. Well, God says we'll put the shield of faith on. Above all, all of the devil's fiery darts can be quenched. See, look, Satan has quite an arsenal. It's a quiverful. <laughs> and when they hit their mark, I'm going to tell you right now, it does its damage. It causes casualties. Like, listen, it, 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 when the devil hits its mark, there's a lot of loss that is suffered. There's a lot of defeat. But I want to make a statement here just to give you some encouragement. This is for me. This is for anybody else that needs it. Let me just say this. A wounded soldier is not a dead soldier. Now get a hold of that. A wounded soldier is not a dead one. In other words, we've all suffered defeat. We've all suffered hurt. We've all been wounded. But I want to say something. You may know someone right now, or you've even been that one, that you've been a believer who has been hit. They're down. They're wounded. And they're suffering. Well, what do you do now? Well, by the way, and this is how all of us will respond, and we all have responded this way, and Sometimes when people are hit, they're down. It's like people want to kick them down farther. Sometimes it's sad. It's sometimes even people in church that do it. But it's not the way it should be. And by the way, I believe that's always been one of my strengths. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Even in our weaknesses, we can get weak in things. How about the first aid of compassion? How about of some understanding, some forgiveness? And here's why, and this is convicting me, because it could be you, it could be me. So a wounded soldier that's been hit by the fiery darts of the wicked, just because they're wounded doesn't mean they're out. By the way, a wounded doesn't mean that they can't be used anymore. Look. We're a hospital for sinners here. We're not a showcase for the saints. I mean, really, I want you to think about that. I mean, 
it, one of the saddest statements in all I've ever heard in this country, and I've heard people say, well, I can't come there, they'll judge me. Well, I know what they're saying. That's just an excuse for them not to come here. But the truth is, sadly, there's been too many churches when someone's come in hurt and they ain't been exactly like us, they're not dressed like us, they don't look like us, they don't smell like us. And far too many churches have treated them and kicked them down even further by not trying to help them. Because they look down their pharisaical nose. But this is where people should come and get help. I mean, if they can't get it here, you tell me where they're going to get it. So they shouldn't be turned away because they aren't healthy enough. Last I checked, none of us are healthy enough, right? But think about it now. Paul says, above all, pick up the shield of faith. What kind of faith? Well... Obviously, it begins with saving faith, but I know who I'm preaching here tonight. I'm preaching to a Wednesday night crowd. I would hope and pray that all of you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. It starts there. You have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about, he's talking to believers. He's talking to people that are Christians that are actually going to put on this armor of God. So he's talking to believers, and I believe he's talking about practical, daily, life-living faith. I mean, what we got to have every day just to make it through the day. Practical, living faith that everybody understands that as you as a Christian tonight know that it takes faith to live each day. And that's really what he's talking about here. It's just practical faith that should be lived and should be seen and should be experienced. Notice 1 John 5, 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Daily faith for the believer is the assurance, now get a hold of this, is the assurance that God is with us and His Word is true. Now get a hold of that. Number one, faith knows that He's with us and we know that His Word is true. It trumps everything else. It's a reliability. It's us relying. We have a confidence in God. Just like the, the statement out there, the quote on the billboard. There are times we don't feel like God is there. There are times we don't feel like trusting Him is what we should do. But we have this faith that even when it's dark, even when it's stormy, even when we don't feel like it, we still trust Him even when it don't seem right to do. There's a confidence there. Why? Because we've trusted in Him before in the past in the dark days. And He's always come through. And even if our faith is very small, we're still hanging on because we have a confidence that He will do it again. And He always does. So it's a faith. It's a reliance upon the Lord. There's a confidence in the Lord. And the base of our faith must always be the promises and the word of God. So, I believe daily faith, and this is, this is where I'm going to preach to myself here tonight. Daily faith, I want y'all to get a hold of this. Write it down. Put it in the fleshly tablets of your heart. Because it's not always going to feel like this to you. I can promise you this. 
It's not always going to feel like this to you because you're going to want to go many times in your life, you're going to want to go more with your feelings than facts. And I want you to know something. A daily faith should be rooted in fact and not feelings. Get a hold of it. Your feelings will come and go. My feelings will come and go. And by the way, my feelings have been all over the place in the last 14 years. My feelings have been all over the place in my last 20 years. Listen to me, your feelings are up and down and they move from side to side and they move. But I want you to know something. It's not about emotions and or an inner impressions. If that's what faith is, then we don't have faith because that will change. We need to place our faith in facts, not feelings. Don't trust your instincts. Now, by the way, sometimes instincts are right. Uh, you ever heard someone say, I got a gut feeling? Sometimes those gut feelings are right. But I'm going to tell you this. If your gut feeling contradicts what the Bible says, your gut feeling's wrong. He'll never contradict his word. His word is true. Feelings come and feelings go, for feelings are deceiving. My trust is in the Word of God, not else of anything else worth believing, really. So daily faith is rooted in fact, not feeling. Get a hold of that, because your feelings are going to change. My feelings change. Your feelings change. But just because you feel something doesn't mean it's right. By the way, you got to feel... <laughs> But you should always temper your feelings in the Word of God. And by the way, it might take you longer to feel. But you're always knowing that somewhere in line, you're going to line in with the Word of God because you know that His Word is true. So daily faith is rooted in fact, not feeling. Number two, faith has nothing to do with probability. George Mueller, quote, and I quote, the process of faith begins where probabilities cease. <laughs> that stops most people. It is not probable that a little shepherd boy could walk out into a field and not just, just walk to a field. The Bible says he ran to a seasoned, violent man of war that was double the size of a little shepherd boy with a sling, had no armor, had nothing but stones, had nothing but a sling. And could you imagine if you'd have witnessed that, you'd say, well, the probability of that? Las Vegas would have lost a lot of money there. Y'all know the miracle in hockey? I'm not real big on it. I know a little bit about it. But, you know, I think the coach was Herb Smith, I think was his name. And he had all these young college kids for the American uh, athletes. And they went to go against the greatest power in the world in 1980 of Russia. And they said they were such the underdogs that it could never happen. The probability of them beating the Russians. And guess what? They beat the Russians. Probability says no, but faith says yes. See, here's what doubt does. And I'm, I'm here now. Y'all ready? I'm preaching to myself. Doubt sees the obstacles. You know what faith sees? The way. <laughs> now y'all just get a hold of that. That's powerful stuff. Y'all live tonight. Are y'all people of faith? You really believe? Is all you're seeing tonight is the obstacles? Well, then you're doubting. 
By the way, I see the obstacles all the time. You know what that tells me? I'm just not trusting the Lord. I need to look and face sees the way. Doesn't just see the obstacles, sees the way. Remember the 12 spies? Ten of them seen all the obstacles. Two of them seen the way. Why? Because two of them trusted God's promise. Ten didn't. It affected their sight. Doubt will cause us just to see the obstacles. Faith will see the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Y'all know why I know tomorrow's going, sun's going to come up? Whether, look here, do you know they found prisoners? They, after people in World War II during the Holocaust that had been locked up in a room and they hadn't seen light for years. Do you know many times they would inscribe things just by things of faith? One particular person uh, during the Holocaust, a Jewish man, where they had kept him in a cell and he'd been in there for two years, never seen daylight. He says, I believe the sun will shine even though I can't see it. You know what that is, faith? Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the sun, sees the day. Hey, doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars high. Hey, doubt questions who believes. Well, who believes that? That's crazy. You bunch of Christians believe that crazy stuff? That's what doubt says, but you know what faith says? I do. I do. I believe that. You mean you believe that? Yep, I'm one of them crazy people. I just believe God. Y'all know uh, when Paul was on the ship with all them other seasoned sailors. By the way, I could pre I love preaching on that past scripture. But you know, there was one point where they should have listened to the man of God because he told them. He said, you better not loose from here. He said, there's a storm coming. And you know what them sailors thought? Well, who's this guy? He ain't a sailor. What they didn't realize, he was a man of God. He was a servant. He was a seer. He's seen things before they seen it. They should have listened. Y'all hear me? They should have listened. I want to tell y'all something. And I'm just going to tell y'all something right now. Sometimes God gives wisdom to people. They're a seer. They see it. If people would just listen. It would cause a whole lot less trouble and heartache if they would just listen. But they loosed anyway. They said, we got this. And Paul done told them, he said, I'm telling you, there's a great storm coming. We don't need to loose. And here's why. They said, no, there's no good restaurants here. That's basically what they said. They said, there ain't much here. We can't winter here. Paul said, we better winter here. And you know what? They should have listened to him because they got in the biggest storm of their life. And the only reason they saved their life is because they listened to him the next time when he said, don't leave the ship. So after the second time, they realized this guy might know what he's talking about. He said, if you leave the ship, you're going, to lose, you're going to lose your life. And do you know what? Not a one of them left the ship. And the Bible says they all came to land, some on broken pieces, some on boards. But praise God, they all got there. By faith, they, just, you got, they, they should have just trusted God's man. And so I say, faith is nothing to do with probability. Faith is not rooted in, in feeling. It should be rooted in fact. And then can I say, faith has nothing to do with appearances. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I don't know what Paul looked like. I really don't. I've heard preachers make, you know, I don't know. 
Some people might make him think that he's some, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. But, you know, I guarantee you one thing. When that man showed up, they didn't realize. If they just probably looked at his appearance, they were shocked by what he had. Have y'all ever done that? Y'all ever looked at somebody and said, oh, that person, you know. Y'all ever had impressions and then you come to find out your impressions are wrong? Sometimes appearances aren't always correct. And can I say, faith has nothing to do with appearances. It is the evidence of things not seen. By the way, I've learned this about God. He likes to take things that have no appearance so he can get glory from it. Appearance may say that God is nowhere to be found, but faith says he will never leave me nor forsake me. Hey, appearance may sometimes say all things are gone, haywire. Faith says even the hairs of my head are numbered by God. It's not all haywire. He knows exactly what he's doing. Appearance told the disciples, hey, there's no need to fish. I mean, they, that's what they did with their life. And the Lord looked at them and said, launch out in the deep. And even Peter said, Lord, look, we're, no, no, no disrespect to you, but we've done fished all night. That's when the fish run. They can't see the nets. And this is the greatest time to fish. And we've done this for years now. But Lord, nevertheless, just out of respect for you, he, they said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go ahead and throw one net out. Well, guess what? They didn't realize they were talking to the greatest fisherman ever. Faith says, launch out into the deep. <laughs> you know why? Just because Jesus said so. Y'all ever hate that when y'all were a kid? I, I used to hate it when my mom and dad said, well, just do it because I said so. Y'all ever heard that? Just do it because I said so. And I'm sure I've said that before. Just do it because I said so. Well, that's not always good. That's not the greatest motive. But at the same time, I get the fact. But if the Lord Jesus says it, we ought to just do it. Faith, get a hold of this. Faith has nothing to do with appearance. Nothing. Why is it that we would rather trust in other things for security rather than the Lord? Is it because we can see it? Is it because we can feel it? Is it because it's tangible? But you know, I, I believe the peace of God's tangible. Why well, need to put our faith in a better object than Him? And above all, the shield of faith. Now, how can we make our shield larger, right? It needs to get larger through the years. It should be larger. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. should be. It's not always. But because you're older, your shield should be larger. Just from experience. You've had a more of an opportunity. I don't mean you have. But I'm just saying. If you're older, your faith, your shield should be larger. Should be now. Because you have more of a time. You've had more of a time. Now again, that doesn't mean it is. Because that depends on what you've done. It depends on whether you've trusted God for things. By the way, I know I said this. Children need to enjoy life. They really do. I'm afraid so many of our children today are carrying weights and carrying things they should never, they should never carry. You know, what moms and dads should be doing for them and helping them with, there's a time that they can start to carry those things. But I will say this. I think the way our generation and the generations from us down, we have done great harm raising our children of helping them not for themselves to trust God. I think we've made it too easy for them. 
You know what I mean by that? Because they know I'm going to take care of that or their mother's going to take care of that or their grandmother's going to take care of that or their family's going to take care of Where is it where they have to start even as a young child? And I'm not talking about big, heavy things in life. I'm just talking about what is something that they want and you teach them to pray for? To trust God for in a family situation that they can even start as a young child to realize we've got to trust God for this thing. You know, y'all heard the old saying that the little grandchild went into the other room and started praying real loud. And the grandma said, honey, you don't have to pray so loud. God can hear you in heaven. He said, she said, yeah, I know. But grandpa's in the, road, in the other room. He's hard of hearing. He needs to hear me. So why pray to God when you know grandma and grandpa are going to take care of all the needs and all the things that we should be trusting God for? Amen? And then we wonder why they get married that they have no idea how to trust God because we've never cultivated that in their life. So it has to grow. How does it grow? And this is why we don't like our children to grow in faith. You know why? Because number one, and this is probably where I'll close because it's almost closing time. You know why? Faith, I can say this, just write it down. Faith grows gradually. It doesn't grow overnight. It can, but normally it, it grows gradually. And faith grows scripturally. But let me just say this quickly as I close. Here's why we don't like for our children or our grandchildren or even ourselves for our faith, our shield to grow, because it sometimes and most of the time grows very painfully. <laughs> painfully. Get a hold of it. Painfully. Paul was a great man of faith, but you know why he was? Because he suffered much for the Lord, and the two things go hand in hand. Mueller, George Mueller, and I quote, trials, difficulties, obstacles, and bereavements. These are the very Food of faith. See, when you got everything taken care of for you, you ain't got to trust nobody. There's no trust there. You're not building no shield, getting your shield bigger when you don't have to trust anybody for anything. When you got it all taken care of, and, and that's why I think a church is always good, that they ought to have something they're always trusting God for. Churches can get complacent. They just rely on what they have and they're never trusting God for something. The shield of faith has to grow through trials, difficulties, obstacles, bereavements. These are the food. It's what feeds it. A little boy couldn't get a puzzle to go together at the last few pieces. So he was so frustrated he asked his little sister to help. And in seconds she had done it. He asked her, how'd you do that? And she showed him on the front of the box. She said, I looked at the picture, silly. Here's what, here's, y'all ready? She said, you were just looking at the pieces. Ouch. See, life's sometimes like a puzzle. You know what I like to do? I just like to look at the pieces. You know why? Because those pieces sometimes hurt. Those, those threads are sometimes dark. Those pieces don't always fit in my plan and in my thoughts and in my mind. I don't like them. So I look at the pieces and I say, God, you got to be doing something around here. This ain't right. God holds the big picture. And we hold the shield of faith when we believe him for what we don't understand. There's a lot we don't understand. 
I wish I could tell you tonight that I know why everything happens, bad things happen to good people. I wish I could tell you why people are taken into sin. I wish I could tell you why people make bad choices. I wish I could give you all the great spiritual reasons for all of that. But I want you to know something. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But even when we don't understand, we still got to trust. It's not about feelings. It's not about probabilities. It's not about appearance. Faith is rooted in fact. It grows gradually. It and sadly, I say to you tonight, it grows painfully. Right? How have y'all learned to trust him? When everything's went peachy king, hunky-dory, y'all skipping around in la-la land, is that when y'all grown as a stronger Christian? No, I'm going to tell you what, when you've needed him. Right? Your faith gets stronger when you need him. You know why? Because you just throw yourself on him. And you realize when you throw yourself on him, he carries you and gets you through. And not only gets you through, but you're a better person because of it. And then when you go through something else in life, he'll help you. Because you know he has in the past. Now, it might take some time, but you'll get there. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. The shield of faith. Above all faith. We need that breastplate. We need that sword. We need them shoes. I wouldn't want to go into battle without shoes. But I'll tell you right now, we can't even do anything if it's not all wrapped up in faith. Because if you don't believe the Bible, you're not going to carry the sword. If you don't believe the gospel, you're not going to have the shoes. And if you're not dressed in righteousness, you don't have the breastplate. And all of that depends upon whether you have faith or not. Y'all got faith tonight? Y'all want your shield to be bigger? Well, I promise you this, he'll give you an opportunity to. Something to come along your way that you'll have to trust him for. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because when he gets you through it, be careful. Don't look now, but your faith will grow. Your shield will get bigger. Amen. Let's bow our head, close our eyes tonight, and let's pray and ask him to help us. If the Lord spoke to you, why don't you let him do business in your heart? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for the concept of faith. Lord, if I knew everything tonight, Lord, just for instance, if I knew when I was going to die, that would become a burden to me. But Lord, I don't have to worry about it. That's why you've given us faith. We can live not worrying about it. It doesn't have to be a burden. We can trust you. We just trust you that that's in your timing. And Lord, there's so many things we don't understand. And it, it, it perplexes us. It hurts us. We just don't understand it. But Lord, I pray tonight that you'll help us to trust you. Even when we don't understand. Help us to keep our eyes on the picture. Not just the pieces. Well, thank you for what you do in our hearts tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great night. And uh, be praying for Sunday. And be careful going home tonight. God bless you.